theyeshiva.net. Good morning, everybody. I want to thank Rabbi Moshe for the copies, collated and stapled. Okay, we're going to learn today, Be'ezir Hashem, and continue in the next year, a, another sicha of the Rebbe, another talk and address by the Lubavitcher Rebbe on Yom Kippur. It's in Yiddish, but I'll explain, and it's in... Uh, Something that the Rebbe spoke in the month of Tishrei, Tavshin Chav Gimel, Rosh Hashanah, and then uh, Shabbos Shuvah, and then Sukkot of Tavshin Chav Gimel, which would be 1962, and it's printed in Lekutei Sichis Chelak Dalit, Volume Four of Lekutei Sichis on Yom Kippur. You see here on the bottom of the page, Yom Kippur 11:49. We'll start inside. A lot of them, most of them. Some are Yiddish and Kaidish, but uh, many of them, or most of them, are Yiddish. Aleph. In Gemara is the Aplukta wegen der Kabbalas Avoynes von Yom Kippur. Who wrote this? There was a team of writers. The Rebbe used to speak Shabbos or Yom Tov or in the weekdays, and then there was Chayzrim who would remember it if it was on tape. If it wasn't on tape. Was on TV, didn't have to remember it, and they would write it up. But look what the Sikhs was later edited. They gave it into the Rebbe, the transcripts, and he edited it. So there's the Sikhs that he didn't edit. It was just written from memory. But these Sikhs, he, uh, he worked on, he edited, and then they were published in Lukut Sikhs. In Gemara is the Apluktet, the Kaparas Avenis from Yom Kippur. In Gemara Masech Teshvuas, it's a fascinating machlekes debate about the atonement of sins on Yom Kippur. The Rabbanon Zogin, Yom Kippur ain mechaper ella la shavim. Yom Kippur is mechaper not evdivas tuun tshuva. On Rabbi Zok, bein asat tshuva, bein loy asat tshuva, yom hakipurim mechaper. Sayet kiton tshuva, sayet nit kiton tshuva is Yom Kippur efe mechaper. Val itzumay shal yom. Mechaper. The etzim talk is mechaper. The din is vidabonu. It's a gemara in Meseches Shvuas, Daf Yud Gimel, Yud Gimel Amid, Yud Gimel Amid Aleph. How Yom Kippur works. So the rabbis, the rabbonon, which is not a name of anybody, it's just a group of sages who were arguing with Rabbi, they held Yom Kippur <coughs> accomplishes atonement, but there's a condition, you have to do tshuva, somebody has to repent. They have to actively want to do tshuva. And then Yom Kippur, so to speak, could accomplish the trick of Yom Kippur. Rabbi says no. Rabbi says, Rabbi, of course, is Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, Rabbeinu HaKadosh, the editor of the Mishnah, who says, that's the Gemara's Lashon, whether he did tshuva or he didn't do tshuva, the day of Yom Kippur creates a kapara. The expression in Allah is, Itzumay shal yoyim. Itzumay comes from the word etzem. Like the etzem, etzem hayoyim azeh. The essence of the day, the core of the day, the etzem hayoyim. Just the day itself, irrelevant of the human involvement of that day, irrelevant of the human initiative of that day, irrelevant of where you are that day, that creates the kapar. That's what Rebbe holds in Masachas Shruz. The halacha, the Rambam, in Hilchas Tshuva, Perek Aleph, Paskins like the Rabbonah. That Yom Kippur is mechaper. Yom Kippur atones with this truth, as he says in two Rambam Hilchus Truva Perek Aleph, Hilchus Gogas Perek Gimel, Chovah B'Shochanaruch Admorazokin, and Hilchus Yom Kippur Simon Tafresh Simon Tafresh Zayin Sif Tazay. So the Rambam in a few places brought in Paiskim Paskins like the Rabbanon that Yom Kippur atones when there's truth. The way you read this, you look at this machlekes, you could think it's a very simple argument. Chachamim say Yom Kippur is not uh, it's not a magic trick. Yom Kippur comes, you're atoned. You have to do tshuva. And Rabbi says not Yom Kippur itself. But it's deeper than this. The beer in the plukta is nit as the rabbanon halten as a tzumah shal yom is nit mechaper, or nor tshuva is mechaper. When you when you study the argument. And we'll soon see the words of the Rambam, it becomes clear that this is the Pshat and Gemara. It's not 
that the Chachamim hold, Yom Kippur does not bring the atonement. Shuvah brings the atonement. That's not the Pshat. According to the Rabbanon, also the day is Mechaper. So what's the Mechlekes? Look in uh, footnote 3. It's very interesting. The Rambam, he contradicts himself. The Gemara says the Rebbe holds, the day is mechap, you don't have to do tshuva. The Chachamim say, no, you have to do tshuva. The Rambam says, this is his expression, l'shavim. <laughs> You understand? The Rambam says, the day itself atones for the person who does tshuva. He takes the expression, which is the shita of Rebbe, that the day itself brings the atonement, but he passes like the other shita, like the Rabbanam. He says, that's his lashon. For those who do tshuva. That's the expression of the Rambam in Hilchus Tshuva in Pedekalov. This means, how did the Rambam learn the Gemara? Not that the Chachamim hold, Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur is a day, you have to do tshuva, that's what does the Kapara. And Rebbe says, no, the day creates the Kapara, that's not the argument, black and white, if it's the day or not. That's why the Rambam, who paskins, he embraces the view of the Rabbanon, uses the words, if a person would do tshuva on another day, the Chachamah would not hold that he or she achieves the same accomplishment. A person alone with his tshuva could not reach the atonement that's granted through Itzumer Shalyayim, through the uniqueness of the energy of the day of Yom Kippur. No, if so, what's the machlaik? The plukta, the argument is, the yazoikem and sukum and the kaparafun Itzumer Shalyayim. How do you reach the atonement that Yom Kippur gives? Everyone knows that there's, there's something about Itzumer Shalyayim. Yom Kippur is a unique day. Even Rabbanon who say you have to do tshuva. It's not Yom Kippur comes, you have a blank slate. Even Rabbanon hold Itzumer Shalyayim Mechap. What a person does a day before Yom Kippur, a day after Yom Kippur, a month before Yom Kippur, tshuva is always a good thing, always helpful, but you will never reach that which you reach on Yom Kippur. In other words, there's something about the day of Yom Kippur. That's why when the Rambam defines the halacha, he says, Then he adds one word, which means it's not just he's saying that the day helps a little bit. It's like, you know, a certain day it helps. No, it's the kapara of the day. The question is, how do you reach the atonement of the day? That's the shayla. Rabbi holds, the moment the day of Yom Kippur comes, you already have the impact, the light, the ha'ara, the hashba of itzumer shalyayim, of the essence of the day, even when a Jew is not involved in anything, he doesn't do true. And therefore, because the power, the energy, the oil, the light of Itzumer Shalyayim is present in a manifested way, so it atones on his Averis, even if he didn't do tshuva. The Rabbanon halten. As b'chdeit z'ken in sukum and z'dek ha'parof in Itzumer Shalyayim, davzayin avaydes ha'tshuva. The Chachamim say, of course Itzumer Shalyayim. But in order to reach it, you need to do something. You need the avoid of tshuva. And Dan Hotman Oich the kapara for not sumer shalyim was his fill hecher and greser with the kapara velch when a hot doruch tshuva alay. And then when you do tshuva, you have an atonement that is beyond what you accomplish through your tshuva. It's not just your tshuva. I could do tshuva any day of the year, and tshuva will accomplish things. But when it comes in Kippur, you have the kapara of Itzumer Shalyayim, which is much deeper, much higher, much greater than the atonement that you would have through tshuva alone, not on Yom Kippur. Everyone is, agrees that it's the day that brings kapara. The question is, how do you reach Itzumer Shalyayim? Rabbi says, <laughs> you don't even have to wake up. <laughs> you don't have to wake up. <laughs> you could stay in bed. <laughs> 
you could sleep. That's what Rebbe says. Bein asa tshuva, bein le'asa tshuva. That's what Rebbe says. We'll see later, the Gemara says that, that Rebbe holds, kar is the yoy menat. <laughs> Rebbe says there's one exception. On kar is the yoyma. Meaning, on kar is the yoyma, if somebody violates the isun, the prohibitions of that day, if somebody eats on Yom Kippur, that he doesn't say it's so much yom We'll soon see, well, what's the swara? But Rebbe holds, if somebody's over on the yoyma, much less somebody eats on Yom Kippur, you're not allowed to eat on Yom Kippur, it's an isakar, is that he holds it so much yom is not mechap. Everything else, he doesn't have to do true. So he holds his pasha the day itself. The Chachamim also holds us the day. But in order to reach the kapara, the unique kapara of the day, the person has to have be involved in it. There has to be a, a, an interaction, a marriage, so to speak, a relationship between Yom Kippur and the person's involvement, an act of true. And that's why the words of the Rambam become so crystal clear. That itzumoy, atzmoy, shalyoyim ha-kippur mechaper. The etzim of Yom Kippur is mechaper, but lishavim. Fascinating. He doesn't say tshuva is mechaper with Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur helps. No. Etzim of the yoyim is mechaper, but there's a condition. To reach the kapar of the atzmoy shalyoyim, there has to be the inyan of tshuva. And that's why the kapara is a whole different level. It's not just the kapara of tshuva, it's the kapara that Yom Kippur brings that is completely beyond what tshuva brings, and through tshuva itself, without Yom Kippur, you would never reach this kapara, because you need the atzmar shalya. That's the, 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 that's the understanding of the argument between Rebbe and Rabban and Masech Tashmus. The mitzvot manoich vashtein, but the Gemara zakta from Pasuk, dirshu, Hashem behimatzai elu asada yamam shabayin rishishana liyam ha-kippurah. The Gemara Masechta Rishishana asks a question, the famous question. One place it says in Chumash, Mila Hashem alekeinu b'chol kareinu elav. Moshe says in Parshas Be'eschanan, who is like our God whenever a Jew turns to him? He's available. In Yeshaya HaNavi, famous Haftar of Tainas Tzibur that we read yesterday is, Dirshu Hashem behimotzai, kra'uhu b'yoyse karif. Search out, dirshu means it. search, inquire. Hashem, when he is present, behimotzai, call out to him when he's close. So the Gemara distinguishes, there's beyachid and there's berabim. Berabim, when there's a community, it's always, it's always present. When it's beyachid, when it's an individual, the Gemara says, dirshu Hashem behimotzai, kra'u b'yoyseh Look out for him when he's present. Call out. When is he being motzi and karav? When do you say Hashem is present and karav? The Gemara answers, Elu asada The ten days between, that's the expression, the ten days, it's Rosh Hashanah daf Yudches. The ten days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, those are the days that Chazal defined as the days when the Navi says, Hashem is kevayachal behi motzi. Himatsa means he's found, he's present. He's karev, he's close. Shem is always present, but there's a unique presence and closeness in Aser Simei That's the uniqueness of those days in the Jewish calendar. It's to find a time when Hashem is behimotzi and karev, different than the whole year. Was von der Gemara is verstandig. Now when you look at the Gemara's expression, is something stranger. Elu asada yamim shebein rishashonaleim akipur. This is the 10 day between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, you don't have 10 days, you have 7 days. <laughs> Rosh Hashanah is 2 days, the first 2 days of Tishrei. Yom Kippur is the 10th day of Tishrei. So you have from Gimel through Tess. It's Gimel, Dalet, Hei, Vav, Zayin, Ches, Tess. Between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, you don't have 10 days, you have 7 days. The Gemara should have said, Elo Asara Yamim, May Rosh Hashanah, V'ad Yom Kippur, from Rosh Hashanah through Yom Kippur. Not Shabbat Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. It's a, uh, and Chazal, when they have an expression, it's precise, it's meticulous. But in between, in between, it includes it. In between is in between. So it says, from the Gemara is verstanden. As chach oich detek from the Shoshana Yem Kip, gein arayin in the Aseris Yemei Tshuva, elu asara yamim, bashteta ber nidzeir ikin ingin in dem vazeres in Yemei Tshuva, shebein the Shoshana Yem Kippurah. Das was a gein arayin in the Aseris Yemei Tshuva, is a nidrike dargefunner shashan and yem kippur. 
What the Gemara is trying to say is that Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur themselves have a dual identity. On one hand, they're part of Aser Simei Tshuva. There's a cohesive unit of 10 days, which starts Aleph Tishrei, and continues for the next 10 days through Yom Kippur. That's why you say, Elu Asada Yamim. There's 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And those 10 days include Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Because it's 10 days. Like we call them Aseris Yimei Tshuva. 10 days of Tshuva. When do they begin? Rosh Hashanah. When do they end? After Yom Kippur. That's one level. So why would the Gemara say Shebein? The Gemara is trying to say, Beremez, that there's another element here. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur have two dimensions. One is that they're part of the Aseris Yimei Tshuva. They're just part of that unit. There's Yimei Tshuva that begin Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur on which the Gemara says that this is the time of Dirshu Hashem Behimatsoi. There's a unique closeness and intimacy of the Jew with Hashem that is available during these special and extraordinary days of the year. So a different unity, a different presence, a different closeness, a different feeling. But Rosh Hashanah and Yim Kippur themselves also have something that transcends them being in the unit of Aser Simei Tshuva. They have a double identity. They're part of Aser Simei Tshuva, but there's something about them that sets them apart. Those are three days that are different than Aser Simei Tshuva. That's what he's saying. Their, their main Inyan, they're called Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, they're not only called Yimei Tshuva. Their main Inyan is, they are Yimei Tshuva. They're, they're part of the Chajman, Elah Sarayama. But their, their, their primary theme does not consist of the fact that they're Yimei Tshuva. That's why the Gemara says, Shebein Rish Hashanah Yom Kippur. Those ten days are between Rish Hashanah and Yom Kippur. They, so do they include Rish Hashanah Yom Kippur? Or do they exclude Rish Hashanah Yom Kippur? On one level, they include Rish Hashanah Yom Kippur. On another level, they exclude Rish Hashanah Yom Kippur because Rish Hashanah Yom Kippur have something that is beyond, beyond Shuvah. So their primary theme is not that they're Yemei Shuvah, that they go in, the fact that they go into Azar Yemei Shuvah is a lower element of Rish Hashanah Yom Kippur. Then they have a personal, individual identity, which is beyond it. The primary component of Rosh Hashanah independently is, the Gemara says in Masech to Rosh Hashanah, that Hashem says, Say before me, Malchus and Rosh Hashanah, so that you should coronate me over you. You should make me a king over you. And what's the primary identity of Yom Kippur? Independently as a day, that the essence of the day creates kapoda. The kapoda from the Tagvel Chemegitmel Milot so Yadid Eden was his nit oizgem mastin like an avodas hatshuva. It's the atonement of the day that comes from Hashem, from Milmaila, from above to every single Jew, not measured according to his tshuva. And again, this is according to both opinions, because even according to the Rabbana, they have to do tshuva. It's not just the tshuva. The tshuva is allowing you to reach something beyond the tshuva, which is something special about the day. It's so much Certainly according to Rabbi, but even according to Rabbana. So now we understand why, based on this, that Itzumar Shalyoy Mechapit is a truth, not only according to Rebbe, but also according to the Rabbana. We understand the expression, Elo Asara Yamim Shebein Rish Hashanah Kippur, that even though they're part of Yemei Tshuva, when a Jew does Tshuva, Dirshu Hashem Be'imotzei there is something unique about Rish Hashanah Yom Kippur that take them out. They're excluded from the Asara Yemei Tshuva. They're part of it, but they're also excluded from it. They have a, 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 primarily a unique identity. That's why it's called Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. It's not just called Yom Tshuva. The middle days are part of Aser Yom Tshuva. They have a special name. Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year, is the day of Hamlochas. When a Jew coronates on the world, and Yom Kippur, the uniqueness of Yom Kippur individually is Beyond Shuvah, it's Sumer Shalyohim. There's something about the day that's given from above to every single Jew, a kaparanatoma that's not measured according to his Avaidas, Avaidas Hachuvah. Rosh Hashanah is Tamlichuni Aleichem, and Yim Kippur is it's Sumer Shalyohim Mechap. Base. Kapara maintenance blows as the mensch vetnish bashtraft fazainchet. What does the word kapara mean? Kapara doesn't mean, we translate kapara in English as atonement. What does that mean? It doesn't just mean the person 
doesn't get penalized for a sin they did. Nor euch as es wird abgewischt von sein Nefesh, der Fleck, um gam was es geworden durch ein Bagangen im Chet. The word kapara, Rashi says it in Parshas Vayishlach, when, when uh, Yaakov sends the gift to Esau, right, and he says, Ulai achapra, achapra ponov. Kapara doesn't just mean that for whatever reason, the punishment gets erased. Kapara is something much deeper. Kapara means, as Rashi says there, kinuach, it's from the word kinuach, wiped off. The, the effect of the, the blemish, when a person does something wrong, let's say between one person and another one, you may not punish, but the blemish is there. The blemish is there. The the the, the distance, huh? The begam, yeah. That's the English word, right? The begam is there. In Yiddish it's called the fleck, yeah? yeah? The stain is there. The spot, the stain is there. The stain has not been removed. In other words, there's something that's interfering in the relationship. Can you use the word restore? I'm saying, so kapara, kapara removes, that's a pshat kapara, kinuach, that it, it removes, it cleans up the negativity, the, tex, the toxicity, the alienation, that which came in between us. We know between people, you know, sometimes something happens and there's a wedge, as we say, a wedge that's created between people. Okay, so there may not be consequences. I say, you know what, fine. I'll, <laughs> I'm not going to take, I'm not going to go fight with you about this. And try to uh, squeeze you out for what I think you owe me. Okay, but it's never the same. It's not the same. I don't trust you, and uh, it's over. That's not pshat kapara. Kapara doesn't mean I'm ignoring the punishment. I'm I'm erasing it. I'll just forget you. I'll move on. Right? That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness means that from the soul of the person, the fleck, the pkam, the stain, the negativity that happened as a result of the chet is actually cleaned up. It's not there anymore. That's what kapara means in Lashon HaTayra when we use the word kapara. Unach Tachlis, that's one level. Even more. Tachlis HaKapara is as nit blais was as bleib nit ibir ken roishim from the Avedas. Nor bizas dis doinus alein veren ibir gekertum farechen vizachias. Yumadav pevav. A deeper level of kapara, there's two stages. One level of kapara is, okay, so we go back to the way it was. We clean up the stain, we go back to the way it was. There's even a deeper level of kapara. Not only there's no roisha, there's no negative impact, residue, stain. From the Avedas, the highest level of tshuva, the Gemara says in Masech Yuma, Rish Lakish says that when a Jew does tshuva out of love, zdoinus nasuloi kizachias. That the zdoinus themselves, zdoinus means Sins that you do willingly, bezodden, zodden means you do them rebelliously. They themselves become like mitzvahs. In other words, the kapara is so profound, it's not just, let's move on. We'll make believe it didn't happen. No, we make believe it did happen. Because <laughs> that which happened becomes a good thing. Now, that's not a regular level of kapara. That's, that's stage two. That's why he says, nachmer. There's one kapara that there's no effect, there's no impact. It's as though there was never a wedge between us. The stain gets erased. We're cleaned up. It's a clean matzav, a clean slate. That's one level of kapara, which is also a tremendous achievement. But the foundation here is kapara doesn't just mean we're not going to mention it in the court. You're not going to get penalized. You're not going to get punished. That's a very nice thing, but that's not what kapara is. Kapara means that the sin gets transformed, gets cleaned up. And deeper, not only cleaned up, but transformed. That's why he says, not only it doesn't leave an impact, it does leave an impact, but only a positive impact. In other words, that which went wrong between us, that itself becomes a force for positivity, a force for renewal. That itself becomes a powerful energy, like the Gemara says, If this is Pshat Kapara, the first level or the second level, then... We have to understand something fundamental. What's this whole thing of Yom Kippur? That's why after we explain Sif Aleph, the first ice about Itzumer Shal Yom what Yom Kippur is, now we go to what Kapara is. Now that now we have a problem. If this is Prat Kapara, what's Prat Itzumer Shal Yom A day comes, boom! There's a Kapara. 
without, especially the Ebi who holds without tshuva. What, what's the meaning of this? We'll see. Let, let's learn. What's, he has charate, he has remorse on the sin that he did. The charata, the remorse, uproots the gishmak, the pleasure that he had when he did the Aveda. Because, you know, a person does things, the Gemara says, You don't sin for no reason. <laughs> some gishmak there, some pleasure, whether it's an illusionary pleasure, a delusional pleasure, a temporary, but there's a gishmak there. It's giving me something. At least in my perception, it's giving me something. We learned about the Kayach HaMesavah. There's always the, the passion behind it. When a Jew has charata, remorse, it uproots that geshmak, that, that passion, that delight, the ecstasy that he had by the Aveda. It says in 8, Nefesh HaKlippe, that was the soul of the Klippe, Vaidei HaVidu Yidvarim Gufa Klippe, Derech Mitzvasechet Aflamet Ches. Derech Mitzvasechet Zefim Netzamach Tzedek on the Mitzvas. So he explains that when a person does Daveda, there's always a combination of two things. There's the soul of the Daveda, and then there's Daveda itself. In mystical language, it's called the nefesh of the klippa and the guf of the klippa. The soul of the klippa and the guf of the klippa. So charata uproots the nefesh klippa. And vidu dvarim, the verbal confession, uproots the guf klippa. Because charata is an inner emotional feeling. You know, you just, you feel sick about something. You feel bad about it. What does that do? It uproots the passion, the, the tainuk, the geshmak of the Aveda. But that's not enough. Tshuva also requires vidui dvarim. We verbally confess, like Yom Kippur, you know, al-chet shechatono, al-chet shechatono, ashamnu bagadnu. You verbally confess, whether you use the language of the Siddur, you use the language of your own tongue. But the point vidui dvarim is that I verbally confess. What do you have to verbally confess? It? Think about it. Because there's also the gufa klippa, there's the body of the klippa, akima svasav havamaisa, verbally articulating something, is already much closer to a, ah, to an action. The Gemara calls it maisa zuta, it's a small action. Words give something more concrete form. So the dvarim, the words, are oiker the gufa klippa. And that's how, as a result, from the person, the person gets cleaned up, and the ra, the negativity, the toxicity gets wiped away, and the person is clean. We so, we see this also between people. You know, sometimes you hurt somebody who's close to you. For whatever reason, you were protecting yourself, you were clueless, but there was some, you thought it was the best thing for you, and then you grow up a little bit, and you mature a little bit, and you realize what happened. And it makes you sick. You push it, you, f- what's, what's, what's charata? Charata is something makes you sick. You say, why, why in the world, why did I do this? Why did I say this? Why did I write this? Why did I share this? Why did I text this? <laughs> Anybody relates to this? Huh? That's what charata is, what genuine charata means. And what happens at that moment? That original geshmak is like uprooted. <laughs> it's completely uprooted. Hapesha asar, who hapesha hit? It, it uproots it. And then the vidui dvarim, the actual confession, you go, you say, I'm sorry, I apologize. That's the makab apatish to take away the wound. So you have it between man and man, or between woman and woman, between one person and another. You have it between a person and Asha. That's the process of kapar. That's why tshuva requires always the charata, the remorse, the regret. And the vidu idvarim and the verbal confession, those are two major components of tshuva. There's also, of course, the resolution for the future. Meaning, the person wants to change. It's not just, you know, I'll do it again tomorrow. <laughs> there's charat ala'ovar, there's kabbalah ala'haba, and then there's the vidu idvarim, right? The remorse of the past, the resolution for the future, and the confession of words. And it's really a fabulous, fabulous procedure. It's one of the yesidus of Yiddishkeit. That at any stage of the, or at any stage of life, a person has the ability to be able to wipe away all negativity, all ra, all taxes. That's the kaya chachuv. And the, addictions. Well, 
If there's no charata, there's charata, there's vidui. I mean, it's all in the twa, it's all in the, it's all in the steps. <laughs> Depends what level of charata there is, right? Um, was eine frühe Dekaveres haben ihm zugebracht zu bekommen aggressiven Zimmern zu meibersten. How do you get to step two? That the negativity not only gets removed, but it becomes transformed. So the pshat in this is, as he says from nine, it's from Tanya Pedig Zion. Sins sometimes, when a person does tshuva out of love, the previous sins cause you to develop and experience a deeper thirst to Hashem. So the sin itself becomes considered like a mitzvah. Ah, huh? yeah, because there's a level of a relationship that you can only experience as a result of this dynamic. Now, of course, this means that the charate is much deeper, and that the love is so powerful that it's fueled by the alienation. Sometimes the very mistake becomes the greatest catalyst, the greatest uh, springboard which allows for a much deeper relationship than if you would have never had that wedge. So now you don't want, it should just get wiped away. It's much deeper. No, it shouldn't get wiped away. It should stay there. Because that creates a whole deeper thirst, a deeper ava, a deeper connection that couldn't have happened if the alienation didn't happen. That's the Havana, that Kapara in its ultimate sense is one that creates the transformation of Zdoinus, of Avedis into Zachis. What then, how are we supposed to explain that a person's ra, a person's negativity, should be wiped away and cleaned up just from the presence of a day? A day comes and it's cleaned up without shuv. If this is the pshat of kapara, we have to understand something fundamental. I can understand you say, a day comes, you know, you have it uh, by kings throughout the generations. It's a special day. Amnesty. It's a day of grace, huh? Amnesty. Amnesty. Everything is forgiven. It's a clean stay. Late, we start all over again. Okay. It's a special day comes. Ace Ratzin, the Rebbeinu says, you know what? <laughs> We're wiping away all the punishments, all the penalties. Okay, fine. Why? Whatever the Koyach of Yom Kippur is, there's no punishment. It takes away the punishments of the sins. That I can understand. But that's not kapara. Kapara means that the negativity is not there. The wedge that was created is not there. The stain that's not is not there. What's the pshat in this to say that it's summa shalyam? Just the day itself. Person didn't do tshuva. He didn't uproot. He didn't remorse. There was no regret. There was no vidu dvonim. There was no kabbalah lahaba. Comes Rebbe and says, Yim Kippur wiped it off. What, what is this? It's a magic trick? A day comes, and the Ra's gone, all the negativity is gone, the alienation is gone, the wedge is gone. And even according to the Rabbanon, we explained that you need Shuva, is the Chtapshat, that the Kapada of Yim Kippur is something deeper than the Shuva. The Shuva is just a preparation you should be able to have the Kapada of Yim Kippur that brings you to a place that's beyond Shuva. Certainly, like Rabbi Yom Kippur's mechaper without shuvah, but even like the Rabbanon, we said itzumar shalyoim mechaper. Yom Kippur makes the kapara, but the two seem like a contradiction. Yom Kippur makes a kapara. I didn't do anything, and even according to Rabbanon, I did do something. But we're saying what I did is just a preparation for a kapara that is much deeper than what I did. What is this itzumar shalyoim? 
that cleans up a soul or transforms a sin into a mitzvah, even a higher level. But let's say the first level. What is it? How does a day do that? A day comes, and what happens? What happens on this day? What's the Havana? How are you supposed to understand it? Again, if kapoda just means you don't get punished, okay. The concept a president forgives, a king forgives in the sense of amnesty, you're not punished. But that's not the word of kapoda. The word of kapoda is not only you're not punished. The word of kapoda is, it's as though it never happened. In other words, the effect, the stain that happened is removed, it's cleansed or even transformed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Rebbe holds no tshuva whatsoever. Yom Kippur comes, there's a kapana. You can look it up, yeah. Shvu is daf yad gimel, almost a whole, a whole, a long amid about it. Gemara goes back and forth, that's what Rebbe holds. Bein aset tshuva, bein loy aset tshuva, yom kippur machit. The beer in them, the explanation in this is, in dem farbund von ayidn mit neighbersten zanendok kama madregas. In the relationship and the connection between a Jew and Hashem, there's different levels, different dimensions. Aleph, I'm going to discuss three. Aleph, der verbund mit dem Meibristen durch dem, was der Jidus mekayim dem Meibristens mitzvahs, und er trockt auf sich dem Öl malchus shamayim, als er das Gret so ausfolgen, als was der Meibristen heißt. Connection number one, layer number one. The connection with Hashem, that's created as a result of the fact that a Jew fulfills Hashem's mitzvahs. He fulfills Hashem's instructions and he carries on himself or herself the oil, malchus shamayim. What we call the yoke of the kingdom of heaven. What's pshat he carries on himself, oil, malchus shamayim? He's a person who's ready to fulfill everything that Hashem says. I'm an Eved Hashem. I'm God's person. I work for Hashem. Mishnah says, I need Ivresi. That's what Kabbalah Salmalchus Shamayim means. Just like an Eved defines himself. I work for this person. I'm dedicated to you. I'm loyal to you. A Jew is connected to Hashem by fulfilling Hashem's mitzvahs, learning his Torah, serving him. In other words, he's a person who carries on himself a certain oil of Malchus Shamayim. I'm your person. I'm ready to fulfill everything you say. That's one layer of the relationship. And don't underestimate that. That's, that's, that's pretty powerful. <laughs> when the Jewish people at Mount Sinai said, Kaila Shadibur Hashem Nasa, this was the commitment, Kabbalah Sal Malchus Shemaim. The Mishnah says in Brochus, why do we say Shema, the first par- parish of Shema? Shema and then Vahayim Shemaya. And what's the answer? Kadeshi Kabbalah of Oil Malchus Shemaim, Tchilavakah Kabbalah of Oil Mitzvahs, the first parish of Brochus. The first thing is, he's Makabbalah of Malchus Shemaim. In other words, the relationship that's created through Malchus Shemayim and then through mitzvahs, both of them. And of course, one brings to the other. That's what El Malchus Shemayim is. I'm carrying, I'm a person who carries El Malchus Shemayim. That's one level of the relationship. Base. There's another dimension to the relationship. <coughs> Maybe we could just stop here. Why don't we say this more? See it? <laughs> this means if a Jew throws off El Malchus Shemayim, ah, so that's is the connection go, is the connection there or the connection gone? Let's give a, a practical marshal. You you have a company, you hire somebody, you make a contract, right? What's the relationship between you two? You're strangers, but you're hiring. What's the relationship? He works for you. That's the relationship. <laughs> he shows up 9 o'clock in the morning. He stays till 5 or 6, hopefully, with a little laundry. And he works. What you ask him, he does. And you give him a paycheck. And you become wonderful friends. And it may be a relationship that continues for a long time. But what is it based on? It's based on you're part of this company. You basically work with me. You work. They used to say you work for me today. today after you work with me. <laughs> Right? A business coach? <laughs> However you want to put it. 
but the paycheck is coming from a place, and you and what what's the, there's a condition there. What happens one day you don't show up, another day you don't. Show up. Okay, person not feeling well, something happens. Fine, a week, a month, a year, what happens? <laughs> it's over. The relationship is over, and it makes sense. The relationship was based on the fact I need work to get done. If you to use this language, I need mitzvahs to get done. If you're not carrying on yourself, oh, Malfur Shemayim, if you're not that person, here the work is not just a few hours a day. It's not just nine to five. You do a couple of things. It's a checklist. It's oh, Malfur Shemayim means he carries on himself the oil. He's, he's Hashem's person. But the principle is, what's the relationship? Relationship is based on you work for him. You work together with him. So the Jews, he carries El Malcha Shemayim. That is the connection. There's a deeper dimension. Base. That inner venixte farbund von Aid mitenebishten was his hecher und tiffer von dem farbundurchkiyem amitzus and kabolos el malchus shemayim. There's the inner relationship between a Jew and Hashem that is higher and deeper, even than the connection through mitzvahs and through accepting the yoke of Hashem. What do you mean? What's what's deeper and greater? This is what Hashem says you should do. This inner relationship is expressed that even when you throw off the yoke, a Jew transgressed the mitzvah, he's not content. There's something bothering him. There's something that's, there's a discontentment. Egbert, you know what Egbert means? Uh, Egbert or something. It irritates him. It's it's uncomfortable. There's something, there's a void, there's a void. It it makes him upset. And he does truth. And that's why tshuva helps. How can tshuva help? You were given a chance. You failed. There's no relationship. He says because tshuva comes from the connection that is deeper in the soul than the connection through the observance of the mitzvahs, so tshuva has a power to break to eliminate, to obliterate all the stains in the soul that were created through the Avedis, because the Avedis can weaken or obliterate the revealed connection that is created through the mitzvahs, through the work, through the Kabbalah of Malchashamayim. But since Truva is rooted in the deeper connection that is beyond the mitzvah, so even if the mitzvah is not there, there's still a connection, and that's why I'm bothered by the disconnection. So Truva has a power to be able to forgive and overlook that and clean up that mess, and the relationship becomes tighter, tight again. And as we said, it can even be even deeper. So what would be an example for this level? First, we understood. What's an example for this level? Is this Jewish guilt? <laughs> Is this Jewish guilt? I'll tell you. I wouldn't use the word Jewish guilt because... The word guilt generally depends how you understand it, but the word guilt generally, the word guilt generally, the way I see it is not a very Jewish concept. Although we love using the expression Jewish guilt and mother's Jewish guilt and, uh, and guilt and I'm guilty and somebody once said, what, what's a Jew? If he doesn't feel guilty, he blames himself. Right? But generally speaking, I don't think guilt is a Jewish concept because at least in most cases, what does guilt do? Guilt demoralizes people. And anything that demoralizes a person, in Tanya, the Balatanya writes, is the difference between Miridus and Atzvus. Miridus is, I'm frustrated and I want to change, I want to do something different. Atzvus is, I'm just, eh, I'm ich, I'm useless, I'm depressed. And that usually comes from the Yetzirah. So even if guilt seems very holy, it's usually not holy. It's not Jewish. Guilt, by definition, is not Jewish. 
guilt by definition comes from a place that's not Jewish. Because if I'm saying, I want to do better, I want to change, I want to ask forgiveness, that's excellent, that's tshuva. But usually what's guilt? Guilt is just, look what a sick person I am. Look what a loser I am. Look how useless I am. My whole life is destroyed. What happens the next thing? (laughs) You go back to it. This is Marirus. It's very different. That's why with guilt you have to be careful. Although we like saying that guilt is a Jewish thing, it's often very not Jewish thing. Mamish not. And you have to see practically. What does guilt do? The moment guilt is making you feel like a, a piece of trash and garbage and a nothing, it has nothing to do with Judaism. It could be dressed up in the holiest calculations. I didn't learn, I didn't daven, I didn't do mitzvahs, and I didn't do this, and I didn't do that. Okay, so what's the result now? The result now is I'm a lost case for all of eternity. That's not Judaism. That's directly the Yetzirah. It sounds very holy, but it has nothing to do with Judaism. It's a very important clown. The moment you're feeling this way, it has nothing to do with Torah. It's coming from a source that wants you to feel that way for one reason. It's the greatest portal into much more demoralization and much more alienation. Because you feel so desperate, so you need to satisfy yourself with something. So it's the easiest path to all forms of tivus and addictions and bad habits and negativity. And also, if you feel like a piece of garbage, who cares what I do, what I don't do? It doesn't make a difference. Huh? God for sure gave up on me. And if I gave up on myself, so what's the point, you know? If my shirt is somewhat clean, I want to keep it clean. If somebody's going to pour a whole tube of ice cream on the shirt, yeah? So, right? You know when you're sometimes walking in the street and it's raining. Yeah, so you run, you got an umbrella, you go home. This. If you're walking, it's Shabbos, yeah, and you have to walk. And walk. At some point, you just surrender. It's like, I'll get more wet. It's irrelevant already. How much dirtier can I get? It's not Teufel Smokim anymore. You have to feel clean in order to be upset by dirt. You understand what I'm saying? If you don't, if you feel dirty, you don't get upset by dirt. Min <laughs> So charata means that I feel that there's something off. I, I, I could be better. It's not who I am. So what's the second level of the relationship? That's where tshuva is rooted. What is really tshuva? Let's go back to our example. I hire somebody to work for me. What's the nature? We're strangers. I didn't know you before. The nature is, I'm interested in you, you're interested in me for one reason. There is work to be done. What's the, what's, what's the foundation of our relationship? The our relationship is, you do work for me. That's the foundation. And if you show up and you do the work, there's a connection. If not, you stop showing up, there's no connection anymore. Huh? Oh, very good. Very good. <laughs> ah, if you hire your relative, he throws you out and he takes over. <laughs> so now the person comes to you, it's a new year, you have to renew the contract, and he says, Listen, it was very nice knowing you, but this is really not who I'm this is not who I am. I'm not interested in you. Have a wonderful day, and that's it. And you say, Shalom Aleichem, Aleichem Shalom, Boyachem L'Shalom, Tzayzchem L'Shalom, and the relationship is terminated. It's terminated. Why? Because what was the basis of the relationship? The relationship was the avoided, the work. If you define Yiddishkeit that way, what's the nature of the relationship between a Jew and Hashem? It's like a contract. Hashem is the balabas. You're the employee. He says, this is the checklist. <laughs> I need you to show up in the morning. It doesn't just end nine to five, as we said before. But the basis is basically contractual. And the master has to pay. And I show up. I do the work. If I don't, the relationship is over. It's terminated. Person throws off the yoke. Okay, so the connection is not there. Is that where it ends? That's not where Yiddishkeit ends. It's a it's a, it's a tremendous element in the relationship. It's the it's the it's the basically the 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 structure of Judaism. But now there's something deeper. What's deeper? There is a deeper there's a there's a deeper connection. 
The deeper connection means it doesn't begin because I work for you. It begins because we're connected. And the example for that would be a person has... So now when you have a very close friend and something happens between you, but you were very, very close friends, or you have a husband and a wife who are very close, and something happens... You don't just say, oh, okay, you're not doing what the Ksuva says. Have a good day, leave the house. The relationship doesn't begin from a Ksuva. <laughs> the Ksuva is written to legalize, to give a legal document to the relationship. The relationship begins from a deeper place. So therefore, I hurt my best friend, or I hurt my child, or I hurt my parent. I go home, but there's something in me that doesn't let me sleep. There's a void, there's an emptiness. What's the emptiness? The relationship ended. It didn't end. I didn't show up. I'm not performing, but the relationship didn't end. There's something bothering me. And because there's something bothering me, I'm driven to go fix it, to go repair it. That's what Shuva represents. Shuva represents when a Jew threw off the yoke, he threw off the mitzvahs. Okay, so there's no relationship. No, there is a relationship. If there was no relationship, why is there a void? Why is there a void? Your whole connection was, you do things. You work. You're not working, fine, move on. Because the fabun, the relationship is much deeper. Because it's much deeper, therefore he or she is driven. I can't just stay alienated. I need to apologize. I need to come back. You know, a couple, they get into a fight. Right? Sometimes it ends a relationship. But we're talking about when the relationship is a little deeper. So you're going to stay like that? You can't. Why can't you? Why can't you? It just doesn't sit well with you. You're betraying not only the other person, you're betraying yourself. Sometimes brothers are in a fight. They get into a fight over a business talker. So I know sometimes, again, I know that these mishalom are imperfect because people are imperfect. They stop speaking to each other for the rest of their lives. So that's a tragedy. But if the brothers are a little healthier emotionally and a little more in touch with their nishamas, it doesn't sit well with me. My brother made a wedding and I'm not going. My sister made a wedding and I'm not going because of a business. It doesn't sit well with me. And you'll do, you'll go, you'll go, and you'll you'll fix it. it what happened? No, you worked together, it didn't work out, so it's over. It's not over. It didn't begin from the work or relationship. It began from an inner connection. The relationship between a Jew and Hashem is not just God hired you, he took a group of Jews and said, you want to work for me? Good. <laughs> I'm a good boss because I own the whole world. You'll work for me. You're going to get a lot of schar and life will be good. And not a good. You look, sometimes you read Torah. Some people stop after the first level. You read Torah. If not, if not, no benefits, no, no wages, punishments. No life insurance. Everything is canceled. Okay. So that's what it is. That's what it is. Shuvah represents something more. Shuvah represents, I said, on inner lechefabund. There's a, there's a pnimiyizdik. There's a pnimiyizdik connection. It goes beyond the fact that I'm actually showing up for work, that I'm actually doing the mitzvahs, that I'm accepting the yagvaharaya. Where do you see this relationship? So that's what's fascinating. This relationship, sometimes you only see in the negative. Because when he comes to work, then you just see the powerful, beautiful relationship, an employer and employee. When he doesn't show up, when he throws over the yoke, so l'chayda here, what would you expect? Termination. But that's not the case. We say the Gemara says in Sanhedrin, Afalpi Shechata, Yisrael. Why is he a Yisrael? What makes him a Yisrael? <laughs> and the Gemara is talking there about Ocha, not a Pesayid who, uh, who didn't show up for Vasikin one day. Achan, the Gemara says, was one of the worst of the worst. Gemara goes through everything he did. He was no tzatzka. Some of the most cardinal sins he did. On him it says, Because there's a deeper connection. It doesn't begin from the fact that he's doing the mitzvah. So therefore, when he does not, suddenly there's a void. There's something not sitting well. I have to come back to you. We belong together. Why do we belong together? Because there's an inner relationship. The mitzvah, the Kabbalah, was the expression of the inner relationship. 
But it wasn't the summation of the relationship. It was the expression of it, but not the summation of it. And because tshuva comes from that place, therefore, it has a power to get rid of the Aveda. How does it have a power to get rid of the Aveda? Because what does the Aveda do? The Aveda destroys the conscious, revealed relationship that's, let's call it the contract, the, the contractual, the contractual relationship. That was destroyed. I took the contract, I tore it up in your face, I said, I'm not interested, I'm not showing up. How can that be healed? That can only be healed because there's a connection that goes deeper than that. There's a pain involved, but it can be healed. Why can it be healed? Because there's a relationship that is deeper than that. And therefore, I'm driven to come back. So, this employee doesn't show up for a year. <laughs> the employee doesn't show up for a year. He comes back and says, oh, I want my job back. Sorry, <laughs> I have a company to run. I gave your job to somebody else. Have a wonderful day. Your child doesn't show up for a year. <laughs> and then he comes back, and the CEO goes to the boss, and the CFO goes, well, this guy never. To hire him is suicidal. He comes into your office, and he says one word, Tati. <laughs> and your heart melts. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> I want my job back. And he has his job back. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't understand. He destroyed every contract in the world. I'm not talking about a dysfunctional situation where he's going to come in and destroy your business. But then he comes back a year later. Why? The answer is because your allegiance to him is beyond the contract. Your allegiance to him is biological, emotional, spiritual, deep, very, very deep. Yes. I, he failed all the laws. You're right. Another person you would say, goodbye, Charlie, have a wonderful life. It's really not going to work. But when there's an allegiance before, like a very close friend or a relative or 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 a spouse, there's, there's an allegiance that goes deeper than the contract. So you forgive the break of the deals in the contract and you come back together. How could you come back together? It was destroyed. And the answer is, what was destroyed? What was destroyed was the contract relationship. But there's an allegiance that's deeper than that. That's what Shuva represents in Yiddishkeit. That's the concept of truth. This is the second dimension of a relationship. And that this dynas can even become zachias. It can bring you even to a much deeper relationship. Because it reveals how deep the relationship is, right? Sometimes the separation brings you back together in a new profound way. That's number two. Yeah, in number two, there's different levels. There's a kapara where you're forgiven. In other words, the wedge that's created is gone. The stain is removed. Through charata, right? We're talking about a real tshuva here. We're talking about a taka bothers. If the child comes back and says, you know, I want to show up. <laughs> I didn't show up and I feel bad. So yeah, you don't just say it's over. It's not over. What do they say? It's not over till it's all over. And in this case, it's not all over. Why is it not all over? Because it didn't begin with a contract. It began from a relationship that's deeper than that. And then I, I peeked a little ahead. And the third one is the Chedigal. We're not doing the third yet. We're still the second. Oh, so what is the second one? If it's not the Neshoma, what is that connection based on? Just because they're born Jewish or... <clears throat> Let's see the third, and then you'll understand. What's the third? Now, just the first two are fundamental. Fundamental. Okay, we'll leave. We'll, we'll, we'll continue next time, the third. Monday. This is supposed to answer what it means, the Tzumar Shaliyah. It's Tzumar We're going to get back to what's the Tzumar Shaliyah The third is Shana. The second is Eicha. The first is Eicha. It's Tif. The next one, the, the second one, you can call it Al Dedechaninyin of a of a marriage. The marshal. A marriage, I think, is a good marshal. Nobody's going to say that a marriage is based on a contract. In other words, 
Why are we connected? Because there's a ksuva. There has to be a relationship. Because I'll tell you why we're connected. Because I have a chiyuv to support you, so we're connected. If that's what it is, <laughs> right? The husband doesn't bring home a paycheck one week. Okay, have a good day. So if what you're saying is... In other words, you, you, you work for me, I work for you. A husband does things for the wife. I don't. That's our relationship. It sometimes works that way. and uh, you, know, you know what it looks like. Like a business partnership. Even if it's a successful. It's much deeper than that. So we make a covenant with each other. The mitzvahs we do, he has obligations, she has obligations, is a manifestation of that. It's a result of that. It's an expression of that. It doesn't begin with that. There's an allegiance. Hariat mikudeshes li. There's an allegiance. There's a connection. There's a loyalty. Bimela, there are contractual obligations, yes. But I don't think this is an automatic ben-odem lamokam. If you never develop that relationship, you never went under the chuppah. Your whole relationship was based on level one. An employee, you, you were never related. And the chanami, that's why we're talking about this. A father and a son. A son doesn't have to. Do, doesn't have to a son doesn't have to be mekabel his father. It's a mitzvah. It's, it's a son. Fine, but the fact. Fa- no, I'm talking about relationship number two. The le- level number two. Level. We'll soon see level three. Level three is already a different. Uh, the son is level three or level two. So There's different components. He never became father. When did he become father? What's the mechanism? He took his own time. That's it. We don't have to decide to be mekabel. If not mekabel, then what? This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.